Are you ready to have an open and honest discussion about sex and spiritual wellness without secrets, censorship, or barriers? This is Unbuckled with your host, Christy Ann Bella. In this program, there are no topics that are off the table, from religion to health, feelings to sexuality. Get ready to hear from some incredible people. And now, here's Christy Ann Bella. Hello and welcome. I'm your intimacy architect, Christiane Bella, and today we are unbuckling the world of sexual education. You know it is my favorite topic, and with us is Mamie, the intimacy coach. Hello, Mamie. Welcome. Hi. I'm super glad to be here. So I love your uh, IG handle is Southern Sex Ed, and like that's kind of the whole premise of unbuckled, this idea of unbuckling the Bible belt. Uh, oh. and, uh <laughs> And and bringing sexual education. Um, and so right before we hopped on, that was kind of what we were touching on. I was saying, you know, I, I grew up in New York. I lived in Los Angeles. My motivation for wanting to come to Nashville, ha- there was, you know, multifaceted, but teaching sex education and bringing um, sexual health and awareness was a, a big factor to a place where I feel like it is a starving. Yeah. It's like a knowledge <laughs> and you desert. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So your experience is similar. Um, you're in South Carolina. And been yeah. kind of all over the South. You were saying Florida and Nashville as well. Um, and uh, yeah, just Southern sex ed. On, uh, <laughs> yeah. Making it, yeah, making, you know, information is empowering. And I think it's the greatest thing we can do is, uh, is you know, de-shamify. This is something that um, is one of your favorite topics as well as mine. Uh, so de-shamify, what do you think is the cornerstone to beginning to unravel shame? Like, where does that even begin for you? <laughs> um, it's hard. It's almost like that, you know, sort of constant circle, because um, shame really is a cycle. I think the kind of cornerstone starting point is kind of looking at how powerful shame is with creating social boundaries and mm-hmm. how it's used as a tool to separate us um, and to make us feel isolated Um, you know, to not be able to show our authentic selves because we would feel rejected and isolated Mm -hmm. and not a part of, you know, belonging. Um, So when we kind of look at it on this big structure and see, oh, this is kind of happening above us. And then we start to realize what are the ways that I am continuing shame? Am I doing Mm -hmm. something to someone else or feeling that from someone else? And where does that come from? Um, that's sort of where I would start to unpack it and, and destabilize the status quo, I think. I love that you talked about the the boundary aspect of it, you know, how shame plays into our social boundaries, because I think this is something, you know, when we think about shame, like the most obvious thing is like, okay, well, I'm ashamed of something I did or, um, you know, usually something sexual, uh, you know, fantasy or something. But this idea that we don't create boundaries because we feel ashamed uh, and we're we're being like held to almost this like people pleasery aspect of of society that's like oh I shouldn't I should be nice to you and like let you do this thing that I'm not comfortable with exactly yeah. exactly where yeah. especially in the south I think is <laughs> like the the like the this huggy kissy um, very like affectionate uh, aspect. And, and I, I mean, I even had it growing up and I I grew up on the East coast. Um, this idea of you should say hello to your relatives. You should give them hugs and kisses. It's respectful. It's what we do. It'll make us look bad as parents if you don't. And, uh, yeah. So in your own personal life, like, you know, I'm, 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 I am imagining that you weren't taught, (laughs) um, boundaries. So how did you discover for yourself, like, okay, I'm going to set this, this is where my boundaries start to kick in. Right. Oh gosh. I mean, it sort of, I think I didn't really realize how, as far as people pleasing goes and Mm -hmm. like the sense of identity that was born from just people pleasing, like Mm -hmm. just in that sort of pocket of, you know, how I, how I interact with the world it was when I wanted to start working in sex and intimacy. And I was sort of imagining, you know, the voices in my head, like who would disapprove and who would judge or shame. And is that enough reason to not pursue something that I'm really, really passionate about and I think would make a big difference. And 
yeah. So that took, it took a long process. It took a lot of therapy to kind of separate myself from like, where's my boundary on what I'm okay with people, you know, having, having that sense of control over me because they're going to try to make me feel ashamed about it. Yeah. 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 I think shame is such a tool that, you know, keep people in line, you know, keep them uh, feeling small, like you said, inauthentic, uh, you know, afraid to to be your true self because the the idea of you would be separated. I think you know the the biggest ripple effect that comes with shame is this this false idea of of separation, um, and that yeah. is, you know, it, it leaves no place for curiosity. I don't think, which I think is really fundamental to sexual health, is to be curious about yourself and other people around you and to know that yeah, like yeah. you're, you're not alone. You're not the only one, um, whatever that experience is, you know, whatever is turning you on, whatever is exciting you, whatever you're not into. Um, and so don't yuck your yum is something, you know, I, I say all the time as well. I know it's, uh, something that's important to you. Um, when it tends to be something, at least I, I know it from like more of like a BDSM community. How did you get introduced to this concept of like, don't yuck your yum? Someone yeah, else I think it, yeah. it was, I think from a BDSM podcast that yeah. I initially heard it, but it's funny because there are like dozens of concepts in mm-hmm. BDSM and kink that just absolutely apply to yeah. uh, every other part of life. Um, and this being one of them. Um, and I actually introduced that phrase to my sister, who's a school teacher and she Mm -hmm. uses that with students like, Hey, don't yuck their yum. You know, it's not your thing, but they can enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's, it's true. It's like beyond just our, our sexual health. I know, um, I remember once I, I was in a very, uh, high horse moment of, uh, of being very mindful of like where I shopped and, and stuff. And somebody was like so excited. They like got a target gift card. And I was like, I don't shop at target anymore because they support this, this, and the other thing. And I like totally killed it for her. Like, you know, um, and it's like, you know, it's one thing. Um, and this is where I think boundaries come back in. It's like, if I had said to her, Hey, would you like to have this conversation about ethics and shopping? It's one right. thing, right. Um, but to, yeah, to like yuck someone's yum and be like, oh, I don't, I don't do that. Like, um, you know, whether it's right. like, oh, you know, I don't want that thing up my butt or like, where are you <laughs> getting your clothes from? Or like, you know, this little, you know, kid wants to color with this color. Like, that's yeah, fine. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. There's this other really side of shame too. That's, that's really insidious. And I, I actually just heard it recently. I've been listening to Emily Nagoski's book come as you are. And I'd never thought about how shame is also kind of used as this tool for self-improvement. Supposedly, Mm -hmm. it's like, if I don't hate myself Mm -hmm. enough, then I'll never like be better. I'll never like be the version of myself that I want. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is not helpful. I mean, a shame spiral is totally, it's going to take you way backwards from pursuing anything you like would love to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of scary when people, I think, I think I see it constantly on Instagram or fitness pages of, mm-hmm. you know, shaming yourself into like being different. Um, it's never going to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, negativity does not breed positive change. And, uh, and I see it a lot with clients too. Like it's, it's kind of, uh, this, the perfectionist and the shame. Um, yeah. And you know, uh, Thank you, Brene Brown, for actually doing the research so that we know in science, like legit, they really do coalesce together. You know, if you're if you're holding yourself to some unreachable, unhealthy standard and then you're feeling bad that you're not there and trying to use that as motivation to make a change. It's like, you know, you you don't change from a place of, of hatred about yourself. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, acceptance. I feel like, you know, acceptance is a big piece in uh, in undoing shame in the, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So self-acceptance, self-awareness, right? These are things that, would you put that under the umbrella of like emotional literacy or do you yeah, think? Definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, f- I mean, emotional literacy, it, it's so multifaceted. There's the getting to the point where you can feel what's happening at all for mm-hmm. you. Cause sometimes that can be difficult to pinpoint like physically what an yeah. emotion feels like. Um, and then taking it to the point where you are able to put a word to it and then articulate Mm it. Um, But yeah, all of that definitely takes self-acceptance because if you're not accepting that you're having an emotion, then it'll be hard to kind of 
sink into it and understand mm-hmm. what's what's going on with that. Um, yeah, super important skills. I just like I just I'm really excited talking about it because I think about how widespread the change mm-hmm. would be with just just that one one aspect that if it were more commonly talked about or taught in schools um, mm-hmm. make a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. And all the pieces connect, you know, somebody who is emotionally literate, uh, the degrees then of emotional tel- intelligence to be able to not just feel those emotions and identify them, but now also like be able to have a conversation. Um, you're not going to yuck somebody's yum because you realize that what somebody else does has nothing to do with you. And, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and as long as they are not infringing upon any boundary you have, everybody's good, right? And you're able to state those boundaries because you can feel your feelings. You can identify them in your body. You have a language that you can use that like self-awareness, self-acceptance, because you don't feel ashamed of what right. you're experiencing, you know? So it's like, yeah. it's uh shame being that like, you know, kind of key, key piece that you need to start extracting. <laughs> right. That was yeah. amazing. You brought every single topic, like, right. They really are. They're on top mm-hmm. of each other and intertwined and just, they like, yeah, just taking it apart a little, a little at a time, um, is how we like kind of make progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you said, therapy, um, and you're a coach, I think, you know, I love that. I, I'm a, a coach who has coaches and therapists as well. I think that's so important that we also have checks and balances and places where we go to get the support we need because um, most of us are here doing this because it was lacking in our lives. <laughs> we didn't yeah, exactly. have <laughs> So growing up in the South, what was your sex education? Did you like get anything at all? Was it super Christian orientated? <laughs> Um, I mean, most of my sex education was me like sneaking to my family computer in the middle of the night and like Google, (laughs) Googling terms. Like, I want to know what's going on with that. Um, but as far as formal education, um, you know, obviously they did the like three hour, um, sort of STI birth control talk, um, Mm -hmm. maybe like an anatomy picture. And then that really was it. Like, that was maybe in the seventh grade, but that was the last we heard of it. So um, definitely, as you know, there's abstinence only is a very, very common, um, very common lesson, I guess, that's taught because religion is, you know, pervades the education system, um, even in public school systems. So that that's a hard one to try to pull away from um, to really get into the important aspects of boundaries and consent. Cause if you yeah. say abstinence only, then it's difficult to like really, really dig in with those concepts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting point that I think most people miss, you know, everyone's worried or like for obvious reasons, abstinence education doesn't work because of, you know, high teen pregnancy rates and STIs. Um, but that we're not learning key communication skills. These are like important communication skills to be able to understand our body, what is pleasurable, what is not, and where we want to, you know, follow our yes and and to be able to sense what that is um, and to have those conversations about like, I don't consent to this and like, and consent is checking in along the way. And um, yeah, yeah, that these are, you know, like, again, across the board, important communication skills. I can just envision a world where I'm like, what if, like, what if we were mm-hmm. teaching this? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, it, it seems so funny and obvious and like, I'm, I'm having a moment with, uh, with somebody that I'm connected with where it's like, I'm watching them and, and they, they're coming to me and they're like, Oh, I'm having this issue came up with this person. And, and my response is the same every time I'm like, have you guys set boundaries? And I'm kind of to the point where I'm like, I think the next time I have to set a boundary and say, like, I'm not going to have this conversation with you because you're in this position because you're not setting boundaries. And I actually don't like to have the same conversation. Like, you know, yeah, like you're setting a boundary <laughs> and like, I'm setting a boundary. It's like, right. OK, your your vent card is up. Like you've checked yeah. that box. And now unless you're totally. actually making a change, like I can't have this conversation with you. Oh, I relate to that so much. Um, <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it's this social thing. It's like, you know, not wanting to be rude and wanting to be nice. And like oh, I said I would help. And it's like, no, boundaries. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, you know, I think I you know, as far as the venting, I've realized that I've gotten in the habit and it's good. I kind of go overboard a little bit with like 
<laughs> you know, checking in like, Hey, is this okay to talk about right now? Um, cause sometimes I really just want to like storm into the situation and be like, ah, I want to like be really angry, but, um, but it is good if someone is like, are you okay hearing about this topic mm-hmm. again? Are you burnt out on it? Um, that feels great for someone to give the opportunity to say no, not today, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, it's so funny when I um I have an acronym about setting boundaries and one of the first things in it is checking in to have a conversation and people like are like what do you mean so I'm gonna like ask you to like talk to you like so I need to like talk to you about talking to you I'm like yeah you do you need to talk to me about talking to me it's you know because if I'm in a place where like I can't hear something dramatic or it's gonna be like a emo- like you know it's just it's not gonna serve either of us you're not gonna get what you need out of this conversation and. And it's going to, you know, affect my, my world, which I'm, I'm not saying yes to that. <laughs> I'm not yes to that. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, what you were just talking about a minute ago reminded me of something I read just, I think, this morning or mm-hmm. yesterday about, you know, the conversations that we have with people. This was from um, the Instagram page is called Shrimp Teeth and just really great sex education. Um, but it's specifically with uh, ethical non-monogamy mm-hmm. about sort of separating the conversations, uh, you know, one being, I am feeling emotionally activated mm-hmm. about something that's going on mm-hmm. here. And I like kind of want part- partnered or like, yeah. you know, support, um, and separate that sort of activated emotions conversation from the renegotiating the boundaries mm-hmm. and like, okay, let's kind of figure out what's, you know, what are the mechanics and structure of how we're going to do this in the future? And maybe not putting those together kind of makes it a mix of reactivity. You know, you might set a boundary that you're doing a little more out of this, like mm-hmm. heightened, whatever you're feeling. And I thought that was amazing. I was like, oh yeah, that's such great advice. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, cause you're just then getting a little bit of that space, a little bit of space to be like, okay, this is more like processing versus logistics, where I, you know, it's not that there aren't some emotions involved in in my logistics and setting boundaries, but if I can sort out the like more charged emotional stuff, then I'm going to be clearer going into that space of like what is, you know, is setting boundaries. I think uh, not from a wounded space as much as you know, like this is this is like the life I'm creating for myself. Like I'm being intentional as opposed to reactive. Yeah. Right. And kind of looking at, I I love sort of bringing myself to the moment of like, what is the, what is the reality right now? Mm -hmm. Like what is not like what I hope for it to be? What is it really right now? And what would work with the right now? Because it's not going to be what we hope for it to be. You know, it it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And sort of just going from there, because it's hard to not, sort of create like an idealized version of mm-hmm. what that situation might look like. Yeah. Right. So we talked, uh, you touched on ethical non-monogamy, um, which is the relationship dynamic that I am in and, uh, relationship anarchy is something that you, uh, were on your, on your wish list of things for us to talk about, <laughs> uh, which I loved, um, because it's something recently, like that's been the dynamic and I still don't love the word anarchy, um, but that that's kind of the the dynamic shift that we've made, you know, from having something that was more like hierarchy, primary partner based. Um, and I have to say it has been like amazing. Like I, I my husband and I were talking the other day about like, I'm like, we are like crushing it. Like I am like so proud of us right now. <laughs> um, yeah, because he... I had a friends gathering that included one of my boyfriends. That was Thursday night. He spent the night. Friday morning, he and I get up. Uh, my boyfriend and I, go, we go have breakfast. My husband goes on a date with another woman that he's dating. Um, he comes home and is like, oh, I had sex. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I was like, you know, I had this moment where I realized, like, you sleeping with somebody else has nothing to do with me. And it feels amazing to be in that place of like, yeah, you having sex with other people has nothing to do with me. Like, these are like your sovereign choices. Like, and, yes, you know. Right. Um, but I saw, I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, there was a time in my life where I could have gone down this spiral of like, he did this because I didn't shave my legs and like (laughs) like, all of these ridiculous things of like, because you didn't want me because I wasn't, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. The, the not enough shamey shit. Yes. 
And um, instead of being in this place of like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And then, yeah. And then yesterday, another person that I'm dating and my husband and I went to a friend's house for a gathering and like all of us hung out and I'm like, we're fucking crushing it. (laughs) I love that so much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely, um, relationship anarchy really, really took my interest because of what you're saying. It's this, um, you know, we're kind of given the, just to kind of, as like a primer for anyone listening on what we're moving away from, if you haven't already talked about it on the show, Mm -hmm. is the relationship escalator where there's this socially sort of, I don't want to say mandated, but it's just sort of like handed to us. Mm -hmm. We're expected to go through um, our social lives in a particular escalator pattern where we meet Mm -hmm. someone and then you flirt and you date, you get engaged, you get married, you have kids, you have a house, you know, it's sort of this this is where it's going. And this is what it means to have a meaningful relationship. Mm -hmm. And anything outside of that is suspect. Um, And relationship anarchy is so great because to me, it really feels like it removes the feeling of obligation, which I think can foster a lot of resentment in what would otherwise be a really like pure and loving space. Um, And so when you and your partner have the opportunity to like live really fully and obviously there's a lot of negotiation and a lot of conversation. It's not a free for all. I think I agree with the word anarchy. It can be off-putting because it sounds chaotic. Um, but, but it does. Yeah. I mean, this, the, the whole concept of it, it, I, I feel like I am able to love more deeply and be loved more deeply Mm -hmm. because it's in like total fullness of who I am and not in a subscribed, you know, relationship pattern. Um, I love it. It's a great, it's a great thing to look into. Yeah. I mean, cause we really are just, you know, I feel like coming generations, it's going to be interesting to see the shift because my friends raising people, you know, who it's like going to be like polyamory and open relationship, ethical non-monogamy is going to be like a discussion. Um, but yeah, it's like typically, you know, this default idea to like go have a, a heterosexual monogamous relationship. And like you're saying, you know, check off all these boxes. And if you're, if you're not moving up this escalator, then it's, it's a meaningless relationship. It's a fling. It's a, you know, um, and yeah, this idea that you would find that one and then, you know, and then that, (laughs) that completes you. Um, and I've, I've explored the idea of like anarchy in, in all my relationships, like friends don't get to stay around just because I've known you for X amount of time. Like you don't get like a longevity. Um, and even, you know, with like family members, it's like, why? Because, because you have this title that, you know, it's like, I, again, I'm going to, I'm going to like get rid of these social constructs and like, what are my actual boundaries? Like, what does this actually look like in my life? Right. Right. Like, does it serve me? Does Mm -hmm. it serve you? Does it serve like our dynamic? Is there a way we can like renegotiate it to where it does serve both of us right to yeah I think and it's the I think that's what it is it's the mindful approach to like examine and get curious that word you know it just that word is so perfect for everything is to be curious and kind of just wonder okay is there another way I can look at this or kind of dig in more yeah and it's so fun I mean I you know, I've tried lots of different versions and dynamics, um, with, with lots of rules and structure and agreements and contracts and, and all sorts of things. And, um, and this right now with, you know, with this specific partner, I think, because like we're in a space where it's just like, wow, I've really reached a place where I trust myself and I trust you because I don't put myself in unhealthy, untrusting situations because I've done my trauma healing work. So I'm only in situations where, I know there's healthy boundaries and trust. So yeah. So what if I didn't need to micromanage, you know, everything you did and then everything became a choice. Like it's, it's just fascinating to see the, the lack of resistance creates a thing that most people crave. Like, I mean, I coach couples who are like, Oh, I just want them to talk to me and tell me stuff and, and this, that, and the, and the minute I stopped like demanding my husband be like, we need a date. Um, you know, we need a 30 minute sit down and talk time and like, and not to say that there aren't times where these are important to, to again, have boundaries around the conversations you're having. Yeah. But when I, when I released, it's like, oh, wow, here we are. You're just telling me these, these. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's I, and I, as an avoidant person in general, having the feeling of like, you must, you know, we need to, this is what is expected. 
expectations freak me out a little. So yeah, being able to kind of lean in um, mm -hmm. when I've given the, I have the space to do that is great. Yes. So we will be back from our break in just a moment and you can find Mamie, the intimacy coach. She is on Instagram and Twitter. It is Southern underscore sex underscore ed. So that's S O U T H E R N underscore S E X underscore E D Southern sex ed on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And Mamie and I will be right back in just a moment to unbuckle more sex education fun. Yay. Think about how much sound you hear all the time. Noise, music, your own heartbeat. What is it made of? How does it work? How does it affect you? The universe of music takes you into the particles of life and the beat of living. It is an interactive online masterclass of music and science taught by the internationally renowned musician and scholar, Dr. Marcin Bella. Visit theuniverseofmusic.com. That's theuniverseofmusic.com. Are you tired of having the same fight over and over again? Is it hard to remember a time when you felt close to each other? Before you call it quits, do you want to do something to rebuild that spark of intimacy? Of course you do. Ignite the passion like never before with Intimacy Architecture. Text 626-310-5159 to set up your relationship consultation. Again, text 626-310-5159. You are listening to Unbuckled with Christy Ann Bella. Reach out to Christy Ann with any questions or comments at intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. That's intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. Christy Ann welcomes your emails. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back. I am Christiane Bella, your intimacy architect, and we are unbuckling all the Southern sex education with my guest, Mamie, the intimacy coach. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Southern Sex Ed. And uh, yeah, you know, being in the South is uh, there's some cliches and they're cliches for a reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember one time I was going to Vanderbilt, which um, is like a really big school here in Nashville. And there was going to be like, uh, I forget what it's called, but some kind of like trance dancey type thing. Anyways, we failed to think about the fact that it was uh, St. Patrick's Day and all the frat houses were just getting like shit faced. And like there was just like drunken chaos. Um, and I was like, oh, God, like sadly, like the first, I thought I was like, Oh my God, there's going to be so many girls getting raped tonight. Like that was like my first thought. I was like, this is so fucked up. Um, so, so true, segue <laughs> to, uh, into Southern state frat culture and, uh, and the fragile masculine, which I think we hear a lot about the toxic masculinity, but really it is that the, like the, the masculinity is so fragile and, um, and they, they really do like the, the, I think the cure to toxic masculinity is actually this compassion that, you know, men need to like be able to have feelings and be vulnerable because that, that lack of vulnerability is what is created. Yeah. This, this, uh, frat yeah. culture, which you've lived here longer than me, so I'm sure you've seen. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And the, uh, the city that I live in actually is a college city with a, it's a very big university, uh, university of South Carolina. And yeah, there's a lot, I'm pretty much constantly surrounded by it. If I'm going anywhere in the downtown area and it's, you know, sort of where my thoughts were leading me specifically for frat culture, um, more than anything is my thought process was thinking a lot about you know, I'd heard about like an injury or a death from hazing, um, mm. somewhere local. And this was a, like a year ago. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, why? Like, what mm. is happening? What is the reason for this? And, and then I was like, it's funny, not funny, but it's interesting that a lot of the things that they're doing aren't that different than what would be done in BDSM and kink. And the difference mm. is consent. The difference is being a consenting party and being intentional mm -hmm. about it. Right. And I was like, okay, so why aren't they doing that? Like, mm -hmm. why aren't they just consenting to do this? And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, the trauma itself mm -hmm. is what is the binding mm -hmm. factor 
for this sense of intimacy or closeness with a brotherhood, right? It's like to feel like you've gone through something and to go through something really pretty terrible. Um, it, it does bring a sense of closeness. That's a trauma bond where no one else, no one else could understand that specific trauma. Um, and so that's when it it just got me thinking like, wow, there are just a lot of dangerous ways that not having space for young men to connect in other ways, Mm -hmm. it can be literally lethal, um, and in a lot of different ways. So that's, that's sort of my kind of big takeaway from frat culture right now, but there's so many other iterations of, of how it plays out. Yeah. And I, that's one of the things I, I hope to accomplish in, in the cuddle party work that I do is, um, is men touching other men in a non-sexual way. Um, and just having this physical male connection of intimacy and, and touch and comfort and holding and hugging, um, because I think, yeah, there's, you know, with the, the toxic masculinity, fragile masculinity that this repressed, uh, is, is, yeah, is all the homophobia and, and all of these things that are like entangled in that to be able to connect and, and to have this longing, right. To have this want and, and feel like there's no other way to do it than to do it. Yeah. In this very like punishing, like taking, you know, aggressive, as opposed yeah. to saying, like, I would really love for you to spank me. I would like, you know, you <laughs> seem to really want to spank me. I would love for you to spank me. Like, you know, we can do this thing. And <laughs> right. Um, and again, it's like the the limit of the the escalator relationship kind of, I think, gets in the way of those things, too, to just be like, oh, I, w- I just want to have us be play partners. I just like I really vibe with you on this thing. I think it'd be great if we, you know, if we explored this fantasy. And that's it. It could just like happen this one time. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. Just that one thing alone is something that I feel like I'm helping people unpack all the time of um, consenting to or desiring a specific aspect of that, you know, escalator without the expectation that this means that. Right. Mm-hmm. So like that flirtation means dating like I may just like really really flirt you know flirting with you and that may be like the best like in the best way we can connect um and that you know a certain sex sex act doesn't imply Mm -hmm. other aspects of relationships that's what's great about the relationship um anarchy smorgasbord where you have you know these boxes Mm -hmm. where you can sit down with a person and say this box maybe this one we'll work it out and figure out how to go from there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be a very tailored specific thing. And, um, and I see why that's, you know, intimidating to people, like the idea of having too many choices and just, you know, somebody just wanting to be like, okay, I just, so I just pick one person and that's it forever. That seems really easy versus, oh, I have to actually do all this emotional work. I have to unpack all my childhood shit, my trauma bonds, um, boundary and consent communication, emotional intelligence in order to like design a relationship and say, well, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. Um, I don't really like, you know, you don't like to go con- to concerts. I do. I'm going to have a, a date friend just specifically for that. Like we're going to go do this thing. Um, right. you know, oh, you have this fetish. Cool. You're going to go find someone who's into that. Cause I'm not. Yeah, and like, right, right. you know, it's like you really could have it all. And we, we're taught, I guess. And, and we're, I think afraid to give ourselves that permit. Well, I'm not, I'm fucking like living the life I love, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, I mean, it took me a long time to get here. Like I did try to conform. I tried to do the thing. I got married. I, you know, I was like checking boxes. Um, and I was so unhappy and unfulfilled. Even when I got the thing, I was like, "Ah, I mean, this is supposed to be it. Like, I don't know. Something doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah, Right. I, and, you know, it's like, I do sometimes think about, it, it was the same for me, like a really long process. I look back at, you know, some of the ways I was engaging in relationships, you know, throughout the years. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, I know better now. And like, right. I learned better and, and that's great. And I do, I, something that I really want to find a way to bridge a gap on is like the, maybe even like the privilege to have the mental space mm-hmm. to like be thinking about that. It's mm-hmm. like, if someone is really, really burnt out, doesn't right. have access to any kind of, you know, mental wellness, um, 
I, that's, that's where I'm like, oh my gosh, there are a lot of people who I'm sure that they would be really interested to learning about these things and doing the, you know, doing the work. Um, but it can sometimes be really difficult to access. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of unlearning from what we're constantly hit at, you know, by society of how we should be, what we, you know, feel shame about what relationships look like. Um, yeah, it, it honestly, sometimes really is kind of devastating to me that I'm like, there are just people really, really hurting, like mm-hmm. really hurting in their hearts because they don't feel like there's another option at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. I see it a lot here in religious trauma and people like beginning to unpack the, um, what they were brought up to believe from, from childhood of like, oh, you know, I, I need to be a heterosexual person and, um, and yeah, and get married. And if I don't, I've somehow like failed at my life. And, um, and yeah, that, that the shame again of just feeling like, oh, I don't belong. Like there's something wrong with me and I don't belong. Right. Yeah. right. And, and in situations like religious trauma, you know, it really is not just a figurative isolation, but often a literal ostracization of that person. You know, they might be disowned by a group mm-hmm. of people or a community if they make a choice outside of that doctrine or, you know, convention. Um, yeah, it's, it's very real. I mean, like the South it's, we, we joke about the Bible belt. Um, but it's, it's a very, very seriously kind of scary place, I think for some people to grow up in and to, you know, sometimes they find their way out or find their sort of core values in a different way, but yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, I think why it's so important to, to share as much education as possible because, you know, just the ability to have more information and then you get to decide and you get to, you know, hopefully feel empowered to make your own choices because, you know, non-monogamy isn't for everybody and living a queer lifestyle isn't for everybody, but like whatever your yum is, like, I hope you get the information you need to give yourself the empowerment to, to decide to decide what it is that, you know, is the, the relationship and the lifestyle that you, you want to create for yourself. Yeah, um, exactly. so there's a quote you were, uh, be your own filter. Um, and I feel like that's, you know, part of it, the, the idea of don't yuck your yum is, you know, having your own filter to decide what works for you. So this is, um, somebody else that you're quoting. Yes. yes this is, um, it's Cindy Gallup who mm-hmm. founded make love, not porn, which is a really cool, <gasps> Yes. Really cool website. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and I heard this quote years ago and I, I listened to it like five times in a row to just let it sink in. I think I was probably crying, um, because it just really made me realize, um, I can read it actually. And yeah, please so do. The, the quote is be your own filter. When you have a really clear sense of who you are and what you're about and project that to the world, you attract the people mm-hmm. who want what you are and you repel the people who don't. And trust me, you want to repel the people who don't. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, not everyone has to like me. Like, oh my gosh, I can be exactly me. Mm-hmm. And the people who want to be around me mm-hmm. are the people I want to be around me. It just, it mm-hmm. seems like so obvious, but it really like struck a chord with me. Um, and I, and yeah, it, it really helps kind of with living a little more authentically. It's like, I'm going to do something weird and they're not going to like it. And so that's cool. You know, I'll be with these other people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had somebody tell me once that, you know, if everybody likes you, you're not living big enough. You're not living your, your truth. (laughs) (laughs) There's, you know, it's not possible. Like there's something you're holding back on if, uh, yeah, if, if everybody Right. <laughs> or right, maybe, exactly. yeah, or you just learn to filter so that you're only surrounded by people who are like, oh my God, I'm a hell yes to this too. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> so somatic work is uh, is part of um the the fields that you've studied and, and the work that you do um is something that I think is super, super important. I feel like, you know, I I value talk therapy and and um I definitely wouldn't be here without talk therapy being a part of my healing process, but the piece that really put it all into place for me was getting into the body. It was like this physical, yeah, yeah, the somatic, like the nervous system, the movement. Um, you know, we, we hold our issues in our tissues and so, 
Yeah. So how has um, somatic work helped you in your own processing and how have you used it with, uh, with clients? Yeah. So there's kind of two things I want to talk about. And the first one is that what's really cool about sort of recentering, you know, the things that we're feeling, or even sometimes, you know, thoughts that we're having Mm -hmm. to kind of realize, oh, this is a body response and it's responding to patterns that I've learned. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's doing its job. Like it's doing what it is programmed Mm -hmm. to do in Mm -hmm. response to my background, you know, the things Mm -hmm. that I've experienced. And what's great about that is it really brings kind of a sense of self-forgiveness where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm acting so crazy right now. And then I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. It's a body. It's my body. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just my body. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with me. Um, and so I'm sort of able to kind of just in a way, I don't, I don't want to separate myself from it, Mm -hmm. but it does in a way make me feel a little less, um, like, like I'm a problem. It's like, okay, this is my body doing something. Um, so a lot of forgiveness with that, um, Mm -hmm. helps. And the other aspect is the sort of what, um, I think I mentioned maybe before the show or on my page is we, we know, we know very, very easily what our cues, our body cues are Mm -hmm. for hunger and thirst and sleep and peeing mm-hmm. and pooping, you know, we have those, we become familiar with mm-hmm. them and we know what to do and where to go, right. um, to alleviate that. And, um, and so when we start to sort of hone in on body feelings in the same mm-hmm. way to use it as information, like, again, mm-hmm. I, I think it kind of makes it less, um, there's less implications, I guess, mm-hmm. when you look at anger in a way of like, okay, my ears are hot my stomach hurts. Like my hands are tense. Okay. That's a signal to me. And I'm able to like sort of take in that knowledge and then respond, you know, for myself in in a way that like sort of re-stabilizes my nervous system. Um, so that's, it's really, really, really important. I Mm -hmm. think it's a pretty, it's a learnable skill, um, Mm -hmm. fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. I think once people kind of tap into that, you know, Mm -hmm. that body zone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important, like the lack of judgment, like you're saying, you know, because if we're not judging it, then you can stay in this like state of awareness that then allows you to be like, okay, now how do I navigate it as opposed to, yeah, like what's wrong with me and like what, you know, or just feeling like sideswipe, like, why is this happening? It's like, well, this is how your body talks to you. Like this is, you know, these are the ways that you can start to connect in and notice before you get to the place where it's like, oh my God, why am I screaming? It's like, oh, right. I ignored the, yeah. Exactly. You know, I think actually one of my first personal moments where I realized, oh, this is like a body thing is I somehow sort of created a metaphor in my mind. I'm, I'm very allergic to pine nuts. And so I've Mm -hmm. had like sort of the anaphylaxis body feeling Mm -hmm. before, and I was like, oh, that's a body feeling. Emotions are a body feeling. I don't judge myself for having the like allergic reaction. I don't feel any shame about that. And so I was like, oh, I can kind of carry that over. There's no shame in having a body feeling or a body reaction to something. Um, yeah, it's super great. The other, the other thing I really love working with um, people on, and it's something that can sort of happen in mm-hmm. talk therapy, but um when you have interactions with people out in the world and you set Mm -hmm. a boundary, um, or you're scared to set a boundary, Mm -hmm. um, being in a session and sort of reenacting those moments Mm -hmm. and then like having this safe space to Mm -hmm. see how it lands for you or to, or to practice the words coming out, like to practice the, like, no, I don't want that. Um, I love the like experiential aspect of it Mm -hmm. because it is sometimes muscle memory. It is sometimes just kind of becoming familiar. And when you're only encountering those moments in this kind of scary out in the world space, um, it's a little harder to assess and Mm -hmm. figure out what your needs are. So that's the other part I really love is just doing it in a practice zone because you can, you can do Mm -hmm. it, you know, and kind of feel better about it when you go out into the world. Yeah. Build that muscle when the stakes are not as high, when you're not actually in the moment, you actually create 
by practicing, by running through it, you create the, this, um, like you're saying, the muscle memory, the, you know, the familiarity, like that groove is easier to find. You're less likely to just default. You're more likely to be like, oh, okay, wait, no, I've trained for this. I trained my, my nervous system to be like, oh, okay, wait, we're going to take a deep breath. We're going to yeah. be like, you know, I, yeah, I can state my yeah. needs. I can notice what's happening. Yeah. Reset. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I know it's, it's, it's amazing what we're, we're capable. I mean, we really are like supercomputers. You can totally yeah. program it. <laughs> you just, you know, it <laughs> takes practice and it takes that awareness to be like, oh, wow, I'm not setting a boundary. And like, why am I not setting a boundary? And, and what would it look like if I did, um, and start, yeah, yeah like, you know, trying it out in those, in those safer neutral spaces where you can, you know, allow yourself to be playful, um, and, you know, and to know that any boundary you're setting is, is one that you're doing out of love for yourself, which is you know, right, right. vital. Yeah. And, and, you know, boundaries, you know, another topic that I really love digging into, but, um, they are, are another sort of source of information because if there's a person who you're not sure how they might react to a boundary, um, going into it maybe as like, um, like a reconnaissance mission yeah. of like, okay, like I'm going to set this boundary. And if their reaction to it, um, mm -hmm. makes me kind of feel shut down or not heard, or, you know, what did that feel like? All right. That's information. And I'm going to like, take, you know, take that forward and know, mm -hmm. do I maybe want to interact with this person less? Do I want to have a conversation with them about it? And anyway, so it kind of gives like more of a compass of, who you want to be around, you know? And if someone does receive your boundary by saying, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me that you don't like that. Cool. All right. Um, and you feel really safe and heard that, you know, it's, it's all information. I think that's that, you know, it's such a great, great way to think about it. Again, I, I don't want to feel like I'm making it feel less personal, but in a way making it less personal yeah. really does help to mm -hmm. respond and navigate. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like anything else. Like, you know, you didn't just like get in your car and drive it. Like it took, it took me any, like I, you know, I needed to practice that. That was like a skill that I acquired and we're not really taught boundaries. In fact, to the opposite, we are taught to, you know, kind of be doormats and, and entitlement and, and all of this sort of like, yeah, toxic shamey. Um, so I think it is so important for us to practice these, these boundary setting exercises and having these conversations. Um, it's, I mean, I think it's the only way it's going to become the norm you know, yeah. is, is the more it's like, I know this is going to feel weird for me to ask you to have a conversation, but <laughs> I'm going to do this thing that feels a little awkward now. Um, but in the end is less awkward because we're clear, like that container right. actually creates the very thing that we're really craving, which is a sense of safety. So we can be vulnerable. Exactly. And, you know, and what feels comfortable a lot of the time can be really strongly linked to what's feels familiar. And like when we make something feel more familiar over time on an individual level or on a more societal level, then it maybe won't feel as uncomfortable if it's, mm -hmm. you know, familiar. Um, and that sort of makes me think about how just one of the big thoughts that I have often in how passionately I feel about this topic is what we're talking about here is healing us. And then mm -hmm. that heals people who are interacting or next to us or ne the next generation. Um, and when you kind of see these reactions and these traumas as this chain of mm -hmm. people before us, you know, this yeah. ancestral trauma, yeah. um, and to see that we're like actually healing like hundreds of years mm -hmm. before us to, um, to really, sort of make, create a better world. That's, it's important. Like this is like big work. You can really, really, really change the world when people know how to set boundaries and heal and connect. Yeah. Yes. Well, I am so glad that you are showing up for this work and thank you for being here with us today. Um, we, I'll just give everyone how they reach you one more time. It is Southern underscore sex underscore ed on Twitter, and Instagram, Southern sex ed. This has been Mamie, the intimacy coach. Do you have any last thoughts for our uh, listeners, Mamie? Oh, I don't know. 
I don't know if I do well under time pressure. Okay. I'm going to set a boundary and say, I don't know if I do. <laughs> yes. Yes. See? In the moment. I love it. Right. There you go. Um, yeah. It's so true. You know, these these little things, it's just like, that's that's what works for you. Honor, honor yeah. what works for you. I love exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, receiving no is as important as saying no, you know. So thank right. you for taking care of yourself. Oh my gosh. Thank you for thanking me for taking care of myself. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm so glad we got to have this amazing chat. Me too. Yeah. So um, thank you for, for joining us. Thank you for sharing all your insight and wisdom. Um, and, you know, to all of our listeners, yeah, get curious, get out there, have some fun. Um, inner child work does not have to be all uh, painful and uncomfortable. You know, confronting your shame is, is how it begins to disappear. And, uh, and so just know that you're supported along the way. There's so many great resources out there for you to start enjoying being your most authentic self because uh, you're magic and there's no one like you. So don't let anyone yuck your yum. You show up and be you and find find all the ways to uh yeah to enjoy them i loved in your uh thing it was the messiness of being human i love that oh yeah that's right yeah and that was sort of talking about you know here's something to say is that follow pages that let you see humanness and messiness Mm -hmm. and authenticness and it can really change your change your mindset um Mm -hmm. just being surrounded by that Yeah. yeah Yeah, definitely. You know, social media is a tool and you can use it to actually feel more supported and and have more information that really uplifts you and encourages your authenticity. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 And, uh, that actually uh, reminds me that coming in 2022 and, um, I guess I'm sure this episode will air some sometime around that happening. Um, my website is getting a revamp and there will be a built in social media aspect. So it'll function similar to a Facebook uh, wall or um, an Instagram uh, page where um, people will be able to share, comment um, and connect. And we'll have our own little hub and community that will be uncensored and not at the whim of what I would say is actually juicy frat boy culture, right? <laughs> exactly ties all back in doesn't it break free of that (laughs) that's so exciting oh that sounds awesome yeah so yes I'm very excited about that um so I have been and am and will continue to be Christy Bella. I am your intimacy architect and we have unbuckled some great stuff with Mamie, the intimacy coach, Southern Sex Ed. Thank you so much again for being here and thank you all for listening. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening to Unbuckled. You can join Christy Ann Bella for another program with amazing guests, stories, and advice every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to check out our new show coming soon.